Hey guys, it's RJ May from Breaking Bad. It's Adam Stavani from Step Up. It's Keegan Allen from Pretty Little Liars. Hi, this is Arthur Butcher. It's Cosentino. It's Rob Mills. Todd McKenney with Lauren Yates on Rave It Up. We're raving it up. Rave it oh, up. Fun. Hashtag Lauren Rave It Up. Hey guys, it's Lauren Yates here. Celebrity interviewer, author, life coach, public speaker, and the host of Rave It Up. If this is the first time you're listening, we help you build a life that you can rave about through our interviews with celebrities and successful people and through our books and courses. We sit down with successful people and find out how they got to where they are today so you can do the same. Now for today's episode, as 2023 comes to an end, I'm going to count down my top eight favorite interviews for this year. If you love the sound of an interview throughout this episode today, know that you can access the full interviews anytime on our website, raveituptv.com, or on any podcasting platform. Happy New Year, everyone, and Merry Belated Christmas. Let's get into this countdown now. Number eight, magician and illusionist Michael Boyd. It's a different day and age back when your grandfather did it that... Like, even when you talk about Scorpion and stuff, it seems like the tricks have also, not only because we always want as an audience something bigger and better, but it seems to get be getting even more dangerous. <laughs> more dangerous. And that's on the audience side. We need all our hooks. Our media need the hooks. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And we need to entice you into the show with these new amazing illusions. And I think people, too, want to see something new. When you come and see any of our shows, be it Mystique or any of them, we want you to experience something that you've not seen before. So you go away, you know, rather than going, oh, yeah, they all rub it out of the hatch. You're like, oh, my God, I never even thought these things would be possible. It'll really so keep us on the edge of the seat, you know, like, oh, my God, is he going to die? And it keeps me fresh. It keeps me fresh because every time I'm going, oh, my God, here comes that part with the scorpion and you've got adrenaline and you've got to, you know, you never know how it's going to turn out. There is obviously a whirling blade that's coming into a box. There is an element of danger when you're doing this. But I love that part of it too. It really keeps the show fresh and it keeps my energy there. Am I going to live today? <laughs> yeah, make sure you're you're actually awake for it, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So remember when you're watching those tricks too, a lot of people go, oh, it's magic. There is, they are real swords. It is real fire. There are elements of danger. But we're kids, don't try it at home. <laughs> Never tried at home, no. Unless it's a vanishing coin, you could try that maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actual hand magic, that that's okay. Yes. <laughs> In all the magic, you know, how to be a magician boxes, things you can buy like that. I did hear a lot of your illusions were designed and actually built by the same team that worked alongside David Coffield. Like, how did that working relationship even come about? I was going to say you're lucky, but I'm sure you created that luck, Michael. <laughs> you do create your own luck in this world. And um, I have been very blessed to meet lots of amazing people in my life. But uh, they have these things in Las Vegas called magic conventions or conferences where all the magicians congregate from around the world. And once you kind of get known, the inner builders invite you in to tell you their latest illusion and show it off. And you're like, wow, that's amazing, but could we do it like this, like this, like that? And you workshop the idea with them. They then spend about six months building these things and lots and lots of photographs and things and videos going backwards and forwards till finally the illusion comes. It could be a year down the track. Then you've got the rehearsals. You've got to learn the technique. You've got the dances, another six to 12 months. So each illusion you see on stage may be two years in the progress from really? when the print was founded 
to when you see it on stage with all the lighting and all the music and all the spectacle. So it is a long, but it's also, that keeps me again fresh because new ideas and new material, I can't wait to show the audience how's it going to go. So um, yeah, that's how that relationship started. And obviously the more I've been in it a while, the more you're in it, the more people that you know, and it really is a collaborative process with the builders and the choreographers and the costume designers and the music editing and all those elements Mm. So I don't take full credit for it. I have a great team, as you said before. Number seven, professional dancers and stars of Dancing with the Stars and Burn the Floor, Georgia Freeman and Gustavo Viglio. In Burn the Floor, we don't actually have swings. Um, We all cover each other. So when you watch a show, if you're watching a solo and that person gets injured, someone else that's already in that show has to cover that role. So everyone has specific roles that they have to cover. Um, so that's generally what happens. Happens if someone is sick or someone is injured, um, covers go on, and 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 the dance. We have dance captains on our ships. We have dance captains that have to put in place what we call reblocks um, of blocking this person out. So we have to perform with one less dancer. Um, but I think <laughs> COVID has taught the cast to be very very flexible, and they are now reblocking pros because of how many times they've had to reblock shows. But I think there was a time in Dubai last year where we had a cast of 22 dancers and there was nine, set, nine of them had COVID. Number six, Heartland actor who plays Edwin in the show, Renee Escobar Jr. During my degree, I, did a, I took a course of intro to theatre. I never done theatre, never did anything, but I was like, I was like, the bug was kind of like, uh, it was starting to get bigger and bigger in my head. Mm. the whole acting thing and I'm like during my degree uh during my uh, my undergrad and I was like you know what like let me just take a I can take an elective so why not take intro to theater and I was there and I was just so I hated it I despised it you know it's it's so funny because you would think the story would go the other way like oh my god I loved it no I hated it I I hated the exercises I hated um them putting you on the spot and like I remember one particular exercise and it was like okay so say your name go into the, we were in a circle go into the middle of the circle and say your name with a random action and then I'm like <laughs> what 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 the f- going on like am I am I taking crazy pills here like what's going on here um, and then I, I I kind of like stuck to it for like a week despised it um, and then I finished my degree I was like this is awful I knew in my head that I, I still wanted to do acting but I wanted to do acting on my terms. Yeah. So to or answer to your question, or do like improv and stuff. Yeah, like I'm like this is not for me. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do film acting. Like, the- I guess theater is not for me. And so after I graduated, I took um, like a random like intro to film class, like auditioning. And in- during the second day of class, we had to do a monologue, and I was panicking. I was freaking out, and I dropped that course as well. So. It, it it was a it was a huge transition because on um growing up and like I had this love for acting but it wasn't structured right nothing about it was structured and it was on my terms and I essentially created the script you know and I do whatever the hell I want but then you when I grabbed a script and when I would read it I panicked I felt vulnerable I felt scared you know that's what it really was and I I don't know if I realized it. Uh, by the time I got into the next acting class, but I'm like, listen, I've dropped so much money and not seeing these classes through. So just do it. And I was awful. 
I was so bad. Like, you know, if you, at the time, if you, if you, if you put me in front of a camera uh, to do something silly, I can do it. But then if you give me a script and you put a camera there, I, I panicked. Number five, Heartland actor who plays Rick in the show, Aiden Moreno. It's like a two year temporary work visa. Came here with no expectations and full disclosure, no plan whatsoever. And didn't really figure out what I could do for work here. And the only thing that really fell into place for me was background work, extra work on films, because then you don't need a contract. It's pretty much take it as and when you want it. You can say no, you can say yes. Mm. And it was the only thing really that I could do for work. So it wasn't like, oh, I want to do this. It was like, this is the only thing I can do. Yeah. (laughs) Give me some money. I I just need something. (laughs) Right. And I'd never honestly, hand on heart, had an interest in it. Wow. So I really went in there blind and was just like, right, let's make a few dollars. And my eye, it was like, again, cliche. I love a good old cliche, but a light bulb moment. Mm. It was the lights. It was everyone rushing around making something bigger than what we were. But then I got that part of me where I was like, but I can do something better than the background. I want to be there. Yeah. And so over the next two years from that, I literally started to go to so many classes here in town. So I took maybe three different classes at different acting schools at the same time. I was also learning on the sets and I don't want to underplay how much experience you get from being a background actor. Mm -hmm. I think people normally just like turn their noses up at it, but I have so much respect for every part of the machine on a show now because I've been there, but I got to see how important the lighting was, where you needed to stand, what the director does, how involved you get you know Mm -hmm. and so I was doing that and then also because you have to work your way up to a union and I wasn't a resident I couldn't join it so I was always getting the non-union jobs but in hindsight it made me get more experience on film sets so I was doing like zero pay like short films and student films I was going here there and everywhere I was knackered which but, is what you need to do right to work your way up what else was I doing yes. you know? <laughs> but no it gave me so much experience some of them I look back at and I cringe and I'm like please never anyone dig those up like I did not know what I was doing I had no clue but I co- sort of call it like an apprenticeship like I was learning on the job getting yeah. so much experience and faking it till I made it yeah and you gotta do that. thank the lord above I actually made it because then that got me an agent. I got the headshots. I did some classwork and got it on film. Number four, comedian and actress from She-Hulk and the True Lies TV show, Ginger Gonzaga. Whenever I would like make a band or do something, everyone would look at me like, don't you know we're the shit people? Like, what are you doing? Like, don't you know? Like everyone kind of shows, everyone who decided not to get out of the box or follow their dreams. Like had kind of just like chosen to sign up that, Oh no, we're, we're not people who get to do that in this life. You know what I mean? And it was very much like that in my hometown. Like, like, even though George Lucas is from my hometown, like my small hometown, like the creator of star Wars, but it was like, if you ever did something like that, it was really looked down upon and like, why, why would you think that, that's a real thing. You know what I mean? Or that's a real option. I think I kind of get off on it now where I'm like, ha ha, I'm going to do the thing that's 
that no one else would do or I'll, I'll prove you wrong. Yeah. It's just, it's fun. I like, I always say that I'm stupidly brave and I think it does everything kind of requires a certain level or any getting to your next level requires a level of like stupid, uh, stupid bravery. And I'm, I'm, unfortunately I have too much of that. <laughs> have you always been like that? Or do you think it's kind of come over time? I've, foolishly always been like that, even as far as like protecting other people and blah, blah, and speaking up. And, you know, I, I, I encourage that for everyone, but sometimes it is dangerous to your <laughs> career or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I don't want those bullies around. I'll, I'll be the one that takes the charge and tells everyone what's going on and protect her. I've done silly things like that, which were good in the long run. But um, yeah, I think I've always had this like need, uh, I don't like, it's funny. I just listen. I just listened to this audiobook, and it's called like the cult of Trump. And it's just, it's just going, it's written by someone who was in a cult and got out of it. And he talks about why some people who are still, you know, following our former president after, you know, so many obvious um, grievances. And it brought up this old psych study where if you, I'm, I miss, I miss describing it, but the basic essence is there's a very old psychological study where if you put a red line and a black line on a wall and you bring subjects into a room and everyone's an actor except for the subject and you tell the person, okay, point to the red line. And if all the actors point to the black line, something like 75% of the time, the, the normal thinking subject will eventually betray themselves. Like they'll deny what their gut knows. They'll deny their logic. They'll deny their own reality because they're like, what? I must be wrong. Look at all these other lovely people in here that are pointing to the wrong color. And eventually they will betray themselves also sometimes because they want to fit in and they will choose a, the opposite color that they know is completely wrong. And I did a lot of psychology classes as well when I was younger. And I just never want to be that person. Like I want anyone to put me in a psych test and I want to be like, haha, I didn't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I kind of live my life a little like that, like almost as if I'm always on a hidden camera or I'm always in a psych study and I will not be caught dead betraying myself or like, you know, tricking my mind into think into, you know, doing something I don't want to do or whatever. Number three, Heartland actress Jessica Steen and her friend, writer Haley Tyson, interview me, Lauren Yates. Which Lauren Yates came first? Was it the podcaster? Was it the vlogger? Was it the entertainer, entertainment journalist? Was it the author? And also the Michael Mondays that we were watching you know, you were really like a, a wellness guru in a way, right? Be your so best friend. Which of these identities came first? I think uh, even the dancer Lauren probably came first because that's been for okay. over 20 years and only really wanting to pay it forward and, you know, make it a career now. Uh, but out of Rave It Up, the, I, I want to say probably the, blogger so not vlogger with v but blogger came first okay. writing all the articles and then that's when interviewing came into it and the rest of it everything like the author and the mindful mondays things like that yeah. that just came down the track when i was like oh, okay how else can i expand this and be seen so did as... it inform itself did it Sorry? did it sort of did one, it inform... one lead into the other because you, you took it one step further every time 
A little bit, yeah, because I thought there's only so far you can go with just interviews and people want to, you know, get, I, I, was, I guess I was starting to be seen as a little bit of a, what they say, like guru, as you said. Number two, sexual empowerment coach, Caitlin Vincent. Yeah, there's still so many things that people still don't even know about. There's so many things that, and to be honest, I haven't even listed so much more to talk about, but there's so many things that we're unaware of and we get hit in the worst way and we're like well why didn't someone tell us about this or why don't we get educated about this <laughs> and i do like to put a little bit of lightheartedness onto it because unfortunately we put so much negativity about the topic that we drain ourselves and we think so negative and that brings our confidence down and it's like well yes if we have it like i've got positive to go ovaries but i'm gonna make it a bit of humor it's like well i've just got to go with the flow like i can't get rid of it it's just a part of me and these are the conversations that we just need to embody and go like hey this is like if i was to put a dating bio this is on my bio like (laughs) it's all part of me and i just need to have that conversation and acceptance so yeah it was really important to become aware and understanding and i know even going through my own anxiety situation from hotel quarantine i had like you know, condition this thing called disorientated anxiety. So every time I go into certain places that my body doesn't feel safe, my whole body moves, but I'm not actually moving. And it was really like, I, I would try to explain to people, I'm like, what is happening? And I thought and I went down the whole rabbit hole of like doctors and chiros and all that fun games. And I just got to the point of like acceptance and going, okay, this is a part of me now and I need to friend it. But then it made me have a lot more compassion to people going, wow, if this is what's happening to me, we have no idea what is going on in someone else's life. And that's why I really wanted to help foreshadow those conversations because every time I have said to people, I'm kinky Caitlin, I'm a sexual empowerment coach. They're like, oh my God, I've got a million questions. I'm like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> so that's where I know I'm like, I'm opening up the door for a lot of people that have been waiting for something. And don't be wrong, there are hundred percent people out there doing amazing things. I'm just trying to, teach the way that it should be done in the educational lens but also just for coming from a loving kind funny place as well because yeah. we're just so bloody hard on ourselves men really suffer in silence when it comes to their mental health as well so i really wanted to create and bridge the gap between a female and a male being able to converse and be able to talk about these things and be able to support them and that was something I really felt passionate about and I really wanted to help. And I brought men onto the scene as well. Cause I was like, I can't just be the only one that's like feeling this. So I had on Instagram, I did like Instagram lives where I had men just keep coming to me like, yeah, I'd love to jump on board. I'm like, cool. And just hearing their stories and hearing them being open. I just felt like, wow. And don't be wrong. There's moments I'm like, I've only got a small following. They're like, no, I'll do it for you, Caitlin. I thought, wow okay cool this is amazing so it was really beautiful and to be honest being someone who isn't in a relationship at this current moment i felt like i've been able to receive and see a different side to men that i just really love that i'm creating this different relationship for men in my life and what i'm drawing in what i'm attracting but not only that my relationship with my dad with my pop you know people in my life that are there and changing my way of communicating, changing my way back to being more respectful and you know, understanding of their mental health has completely shifted. So as much as I go female empowerment and go woo with you, go girlfriend, 
I also wanted to make sure that I was speaking to people in any lens and just having that respect of like, I'm here to bridge the gap. Drum roll, please. Number one, actress from the True Lies TV show and Dallas Buyers Club, Deneen Tyler. When I leave an audition, no matter what kind, I take it, I ball up my fist while I'm in the car driving away. I open the window and I toss it up to the universe and let it be what it may. Hmm. Because my gifts are mine. My blessings are mine. And if I don't get it, then it wasn't. It's somebody else's. And you have to take it like that. It's funny. Some people stay right where they are for so long, places that they aren't happy with, where where they shouldn't be, just because they're scared what's going to happen if they take that leap. And um, I've taken the leap several times. And I sometimes I was pushed. Sometimes I didn't even leap. Sometimes I just kind of fell off or whatever. But (laughs) reinventing yourself, recreating your life is not always a bad thing. Sometimes a bad thing may cause it to happen, but whatever happens to you in your life, it's up to you to take it and make it something else. Thank you for listening to our exciting New Year's special today. Everyone here at Rave It Up HQ wish you an exciting 2024. May the year be filled with joy, happiness, and adventure, and may all of your wishes come true. Happy New Year!